You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. Paul, I don't want to say it's that time of the year, but it is that time of the year for good beer, football, and friends. Am I right? Oh, my God. What is that you're drinking out of? Is that a stein of, of like, an antler? Uh, it, it, this is this what is, is a, a a lovely horn from Iceland that I am drinking my Anderson Valley Winter Solstice. Wait, you I got have some? found it. Oh, oh boy, you did son I of ever. a bitch! Yeah, where did you find it? Let's just say that I probably acquired more than I can possibly consume. Okay. So c- c- consider me your uh, your your black market distributor for this, my friend. This is, if you want to pop over for a sixer guys, at any point in time, well, I would, anyways, guys. I, I just I have to apologize for the the massive detour I'm taking here at the very outset of the show. I know a lot of you just want to get, get we want to get you to the heat of the meat, get right to the Pearl Jam. But listen, we do the hashtag. Yeah, they want to hear about Paul drinking beer out of a horn. That's yeah. What well, you've got a yeah. You are you have a behorned uh, chalice there, and I'm going full Viking tonight. I shit you not. The day after Halloween, I went to three different stores looking for Winter Solstice, including Trader Joe's, Bevmo. Uh, nobody had it yet. Yeah, that that's what they told me. Yeah, I even we don't have at it yet. them saying when the hell it is it like coming out. No five days after Christmas, we still don't have it yet. So I'm tired yeah, of yet. Well, we'll talk offline about where the hell you got this. Menagerie of Anderson Valley. Anyway, hold on. Just just take a wild guess how many I bought. Forty eight. More. Oh boy, you're a savage. <laughs> oh my god, it's only it's November. Well, as we're recording, this I, I know. I, um, I, I I've got many okay. many cold moons to get through, my friend. All right. Well, well, I. Oh god, I, I can How am I going to move on? I'm going to try. <laughs> Uh, w- welcome to the show. Don't riot on the show. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, was that a segue? Tease. Hashtag tease. So, uh, this week is the week of an anniversary. It is going to be the 20th anniversary of Riot Act on Saturday, November 12th. Um, today, if you're listening to this, when the out, when this show came out, it is election day in america so that may or may not permeate this entire episode but before we get into talking about riot act um and elections as it were we'll try and stay on the music of course uh thank you to everyone who is a listening and b who may have purchased a t-shirt from us and c anyone who is a patron on patreon we you guys help us um continue the show pay for the fees of hosting this thing and the t-shirt manufacturing all that crap um we really appreciate that anybody who's taking the time to write a review or leave a rating that always helps too because you know the algorithm yeah feed it feed the algorithm yeah uh and if you fed the algorithm last month you were entered into a chance to win a no code vinyl which we have a winner ding 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 ding. we did we in the last episode travis howell 
T. Howell is actually Travis Howell from North Carolina. So that no code vinyl is coming to you shortly. He told me on Instagram that he already has a copy of vinyl and may bequeath it to a friend. Oh, outstanding. What a guy. It's this. That is the spirit. Tis the season. Tis the fucking season. Uh, This is explicit show, by the way, if you didn't know already. So, you know, we've got this Riot Act show here. And, you know, it isn't the sexiest of the records, but we enjoy it. We're we're Pearl Jam nerds. We enjoy all the, as they say in Office Space, we celebrate the entire guy's catalog. Um, So, Paul, you put out a... Uh, an APB back in the day, I don't know, weeks back. If you, if you really, really, really like Riot Act, we want to hear from you because not everybody likes that record. I'm holding my hand up. I didn't like it for a while. And now I do, but at the time, maybe not so much. And you know what, Paul, we had somebody email us that said, you know what? I love this album. Let's talk about it. You know who that is? It's somebody special. Oh, it's somebody our good listeners may also listen to as well. Probably right after this episode. And you know what? Uh, probably has the best voice of the three of us. And that not that saying something? It is Brandon from the Better Band Podcast, live from Reno. Brandon, Ooh, how's it going, everybody? Nice. Oh, that was something. How are you? Oh, I am well, just, uh, you know, there's all this excitement in the air, uh, world series, something. Oh yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, it's happening. Hashtag sports. <laughs> Lots of sports are happening, but we're not talking yeah. about sports today, Brandon. Are not we? tonight. No, we're talking a rock and roll. Now there's a couple of things I want to get out of the way first about you. Um, you have posted before within your show, within the, within the depths of your show, that if, if, if a listener proves that they've donated to a food bank, that they can access all of your bonus episodes, number one, Yes. and on your Patreon, there are actually three (laughs) tiers, which I find delightful. One is the the usual tier of like being a, being a a fun guy, being a fun gal. Right. And then there's two more. One, I don't know how you explain what these are. One is called four twenty a month. And one is called six, six, six a month. Care to explain? Uh, yes, those are, you said, no, (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to explain it it's self-explanatory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well what does one get if if someone donates 420 dollars <laughs> oh. a month what does that mean what does that get the person yes so uh if you happen to uh really really love my podcast and say you know what i can give a dollar a month or you can actually give more if you'd like but i want to give more more than you should then you know uh i'm going to give 420 dollars a month and that of course as we all know is the drug number Mm -hmm. and so if you give me 420 dollars a month that means that uh i will take your money and uh just uh buy drugs with it and quit doing my podcast and uh just get high all the time not a bad deal all right but (laughs) <laughs> the next level up, six hundred and sixty-six dollars a month is 
that is where I will sell my soul and therefore let you have the podcast and I will produce it and you will host it and I will do all the editing and you will get all the praise. And, but I'll get all the money. I'll get $666 a month. As long as you pay that, then you, you, you own the pay cast. It's a fair deal. Paul. Kind of. I, I like it. Well, okay. Better band. Everyone knows this show. Um, you're going song by song, by song, by song, by song. You are, you just finished lost dogs. Am I right? And you're about to um, move towards uh, self-titled, right? I am finishing Lost finishing Dogs. Lost Dogs uh, yes, I, I am taking a little break here in November to get ready for December when I do the Christmas Pearl Jam songs. Mm. And uh, so, so I'm finishing those up. You know, there's a uh, Jingle Bell, Santa God. Do you believe in Christmas? Um, because they they, they, well, said they don't believe in Christmas. Well, I know that someday at Christmas. <laughs> here we go. Uh, something something toys. all the puns uh, here we go <laughs> all right. that was last so, year when i talked about that so I'm, exactly that's a lot so of time you, that's what's coming up for you but today we've got to talk about an, an album that you just finished up a couple months back i believe called ride act like i said um this was released on november 12th 2002 recorded in february and april of that year at studio x in seattle it is 54 minutes and 15 seconds long produced by adam casper mixed by brendan o'brien it yielded four singles in chronological order, I am mine on October 8th, 2002, Bush League on November 15th, 2002, Save You on February 11th, 2003, and Love Boat Captain one week later, February 18th, 2003. Uh, the New York Times at the time had this to say about the record. The record sounds as if it were made to slip quietly into the marketplace, connect with the faithful, and leave everyone else alone. Brandon, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that that's been Pearl Jam's MO since uh, No Code. I think that uh, since they tried to uh, cut down their audience and their reach after Vitology so that they could have lives and not be inundated with celebrity, they've kind of just been like, okay, we know what we do. And we think that if we are honest with ourselves and sort of do what we do in our experimenting and staying in our weird lane that we've made, that the people who like us will like it and they'll, and, and, and they'll buy it. And the people who just want to hear radio singles and verses and 10 over and over again, then well, they can stay back there because we don't we don't want that big of a, of a fan base again. Paul, you agree? Well, this is a unique record in the sense that it comes at a time in Pearl Jam's career where they were really uh, just in disarray. I mean, this album comes off the heels of uh, Roskill where I think they were really, really in 2000 trying to pick up the pieces of, of who they wanted to be as a band, the kind of music that they wanted to make. I mean, they had five albums come out in the 90s, and Binaural comes out in 2000, and they, they start off this brand new decade, basically, with their first album to not reach platinum status. So I think that was noteworthy. <clears throat> so you got this, this tragedy on the road, that nobody should ever have to experience 
a, as a, a listener or as a, as a band. Um, and I just think that Riot Act comes along and it just gave them an opportunity to, to exercise their voices a bit. You know what I mean? They, they had things to say. <clears throat> and in many ways, it's an art rock record. Um, I think what's, what's fascinating about it, though, is that when you, when you think about this record, it was very condensed. You know what I mean? I think that they, um, they kind of came in and wrapped it up in about a month. I mean, they, they just basically sat down and, and really what you're, what you're hearing, I mean, I'm going to quote Matt Cameron on this one, you're hearing it live, the sound of a band playing together in a room, which you don't hear too much these days. So they just got in, they started playing, and a month goes by and, and the record's pretty much ready to go. Uh, I think one of my favorite highlights of the recording session is uh, Save You. It's not my favorite song on the record, but I think that when you when you listen to that cut, something that's interesting to share about it would be uh, would be this. I'm gonna share a, a little bit of a, a line here from from Matt. So I'm sorry, from uh, Mike. Mike said uh, I came in with that riff and we just kind of started jamming on it. It was a blast to play. A track that actually ended up on there halfway through the song. Matt lost his headphones. He was going off. That's my favorite part of the song. His crazy drum fills i like the solo too but the drum fills are insane how good they are he's doing them without his headphones just by watching the bass it was me watching and then it matt chimes in it was me watching jeff's fingers and hoping i was in time you know there's a breakdown of just me and jeff i hit a cymbal moved my head and the headphones went flying little point of interest there for the listener <laughs> so the next time you listen to save you <laughs> be mindful of that but i think that right there just just kind of captured this new era of pearl jam it, it, they really became that that band that existed in so many ways to, to play alive. And the fact that this studio record was very much colored by what it's like to see them play live, just going in and being live in a room, I think that uh, it set the tone in many ways for all the subsequent records that we would see. I, I think both of you make points that I, I, I do agree with. And I want to say, I think... When you talk about the live aspect of it, um, playing a lot of the songs or, or recording the songs live in that way in those sessions, um, I think a lot of people hold that Riot Act tour in very, very high regard. You might not hold the record itself in the highest regard against you know Vitality or Yield or Ten or whatever, but the, the tour, there was something about that tour um that was electric and it was yeah. my first time back in years um to see the band live i saw them four times that year and it was amazing so i think there was something to be said for how they did those songs live like you said into the live experience itself um well let's talk about the recording process let's kind of stay on that path uh it's been said or it's been it's been noted that every band member kind of came in with four to five ideas that everyone would kind of work on uh the band would record what they thought were demos uh and then ed would sing on them and say that's it that's the yeah. tape <laughs> how, how do you <laughs> if you if you guys were the other guys in the band and you're you're just you know you're not necessarily thinking about making it you know the take on your part and then ed goes in sings on it and goes that's it like wait but i could have done that better but like yeah but, like on the one hand, that's got to make you feel good if your if your singer thinks that wow, what we did is is electric enough. But as the as of as fans, 
Brandon, do you think it's do you think maybe that that actually worked against them? And they could have gotten even better performances because some people say that the performances and and especially performance wise feels almost like I don't I mean I don't necessarily believe this completely, but I get it. There's like a almost performing on ambient kind of thing. Like it's just like he's a little <laughs> bit a little bit muted. Uh, in in you know, save you your, to your point, Paul is not at all that way. It's and that's fucking crazy. But what do you, how do you feel about taking a performance, a band performance that may not be the best take, and then Ed's like, we're done. Well, you can uh, always overdo things. I think, especially in music, if you're too practice at it, then you're going to sound mechanical, and it's like, okay, there's it's a drum machine or something. And it's kind of like, oh well, no, it's playing very precise and everything like that and then remove some of the humanity mm. of it i guess the sort of the 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 reason why we want to see them live is because there is the electricity i think there of sort of being on razor's edge of greatness and falling apart which you know lyrically with certain songs eddie will fall apart but uh that's part of the of the charm of it it's 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 sort of ah ha 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 you know somebody messed up there okay but it's still a great song everybody's having a good time and everything and 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 so i think that there's there's sort of i think in film and everything like that there'll be sometimes where you know you practice and everything and people say it's like oh yeah we just took the first take of it because it was it was more in the moment and there is just more immediacy than something that okay you've been going over and over like uh you've been going over over and over well think how many more times do you think i could say over uh how many times (laughs) did they play even flow and they were just like okay which take are we taking here it's like yeah yeah they joke about that you know the song that precedes the release of this record as you mentioned was i am mine and i mentioned binaural and roskill and i i feel like this you know, you get arc on this record, you get I am mine. This record in many ways was about closure and, and trying to move forward from something that I think had, had really anchored them as a band. And, and I think that that, that might explain why they just furiously recorded that. Mm. And they, they just didn't want to dwell on anything. They were ready. These songs were, were a, a cathartic therapeutic way to move forward and sitting around tinkering with things for weeks and months and months on end, just, I don't think it's aligned with what it was that brought them into the studio to begin with. I mean, uh, you think about Love Boat Captain. We get our our first appearance of Boom. I was going to mention that. So perfect segue. There you go. Yeah. And so, again, as I mentioned, this whole reflection of of what a live experience of Pearl Jam is and and would become from this point forward, especially with Boom and Toe, I I think in, in many ways, like... Riot Act is just a precursor for what so much of Pearl Jam's music and what seeing them live will be about. Well, you know, Mike has said or or said at the time that he always wanted a keyboard player in the band. And then they finally got that uh, uh, via um, Ed out in Hawaii. One thing to your point about Save You, Paul, is, you know, Stone said that the band really did feed off of Matt Cameron's playing. And even though you didn't really tell from the performance, Eddie's excitement about, um, I guess, probably the lyrical content. Um, do you think that comes across, Brandon? 
that Ed's excited or that the band fed off of, of Matt and Ed. Could, could you feel that even if like, again, we have these, these initial takes that the band maybe thinks are not um, the, the finished copy, but Ed does. Do you think, do you think that um, it comes off as that, or do you think it comes off more as, you know, these, these could have been a little bit better from a performance standpoint. I think there's also the fact too, that this was the last album that they had under contract with Sony too. Mm-hmm. So it could have been sort of, let's just get this done and over with so that we can <laughs> move on and, you know, do what we want to do and not be under the thumb of corporation and, you know, whatever. Um, but I think, what is it? Matt wrote the lyrics for two, three songs mm-hmm. on this too. So, I mean, there's, I think that they, since they got him in with binaural, Matt still wasn't a good, wasn't, wasn't fitting in perfectly with them yet. And I think, you know, the, with the 98 tour and the 2000 tour that that was sort of like, okay, like Matt is here now. And I think just the, with the amount of his contributions for this record, really was kind of like okay yeah this is this is it now he's he's in pearl jam he's he's not just you know sitting in you know this he's in pearl jam now. i agree with that you know you can definitely tell um it felt like he was more comfortable at that point especially like you said contributing to i think two different songs you are and get right lyrically um let's go to the themes of the record then you know uh jeff says that he felt empowered to have a voice after 9-11 and its aftermath plus ross killed you know and and ed took that and and ran with it um although he thinks the album is pretty one-sided i'm guessing he thinks that from a from like a political aspect which you know they're not shy of that um he said that you know at the time this is again 2002 hollow patriotism frightens him you know, Pearl Jam are said to be making a new record right now. I think we all have seen those reports with Andrew Watt uh, and with Gigaton directly in the rear view. How do you guys think Ed's mindset has changed, if at all, from hollow patriotism frightens him? It's been 20 years. How does that lyrical mindset maybe affect looking forward? Well, I mean, I, you know, you look at the kind of music they're making now, I mean, it how dramatically different are things? You know, you look at 2016 versus 2000, you look at the, you know, the insurrection on January 6th. Um, but I mean, I'm not putting that on the same level as nine 11. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, there's definitely been a lot of turmoil in this country that has called into question what it means to be a patriot, what it, what it means to, uh, to advocate for American values. Um, I think in a lot of ways, Pearl Jam are continuing to contribute to that conversation. I think Riot Act was very much about finding their voice again and realizing they had a lot to say uh, about a lot of issues. And and it was happening at a time where they felt like they needed to speak up. And uh, I think there's a little bit less... um, I don't want to say less urgency. I, I feel like a lot of their feelings have shifted more in the direction of, of climate change mm. in, in terms of, of the issues that they really want to kind of stake their flag on, so to speak. 
but I can definitely see, um, you know, th this is something that permeates Pearl Jam's music going all the way back to 10, especially on verses with, with songs like WMA and Glorified G and so on. I mean, it, I really feel that, that in some ways, Riot Act is an extension of that spirit, that activist spirit. But in other ways, it's it's more about um, kind of wanting to to say something because you need to say it for yourself because you, you you just you've had this opportunity to process and you get to a point where if you don't say it, it's going to eat you up, you know. And so I feel like in many ways, for a lot of the band members, that record was their opportunity to kind of just release. Brandon, do you think it was? At, to that point, their most politically vocal record. Uh, they've always been political. Uh, I mean, you can on on even flow. I mean, you it can kind of hear it in the record, but in the re-recorded version, you can definitely hear at the end. Don't vote Republican on it. Uh, <laughs> there's it, they. I think that this record is probably very ed says two-sided or ed says one-sided uh i can see i can see how he got there um but there's sort of two sides to this there are two different types of songs i think there are personal songs and there are political songs and there are people who say that pearl jam needs to stop with the politics or you know not get political and for 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 some people not being political is a choice and it's a very privileged choice because no matter what happens with the laws, you're going to get by. You have money. You are in a nice community of like-minded people who uh, are looking out for each other. And, you know, people aren't making laws that determine who you can marry, um, how, like where, even if you can vote um and legislating your body so that you don't even have control over yourself as a human being and so some for some people politics is personal and you can't get out of that because you you they have made your life political and so for a lot of us if uh the government happens to be overthrown then I think that the politics for everybody becomes very personal because then it's like, well, what are we doing now? Do we still just go to work as normal or what, wh what happens? Are people going to come with bayonets and force us to do this or that? And it's probably, it's easy to say, it's probably not going to come to that, but I mean, <laughs> you don't know, there are more guns than people in this country. so depending on it doesn't matter the side it's there's this this country is Chekhov's country there's <laughs> there's too many guns here and they're gonna get used uh people are just looking for an excuse and I, I I mean everybody says that there's a lot of 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 tension and there's like two sides fighting over this country and I think there's there's a large amount of people who are just like I just want to live my life and I just want to make sure my kids grow up safe. Do you think like, so when I think about this as a political record, uh, you know, they were much younger. They were 
you know, mid to late thirties. And there was a lot of piss and vinegar on the, on those live shows, like I was saying. And I feel like a lot of the political stuff was very pointed mm-hmm. and kind of um, focused on, on, on a few things. Obviously the Bush Liger song being very, very focused on an individual. And we've obviously had a couple of instances of that on Gigaton. But you mentioned, you know, people just wanting to kind of, yes, p- politics it, it is personal for so many people now because most people can't avoid the ramifications of policy. Um, most people aren't fortunate enough to be like, well, if that tax law passes, it's, you know, I just can't buy a TV until next month. Something like that. Like there's some people that are just that like that, or, you know, I only have sons. I don't have daughters. Like there are some people who just don't have to worry about certain things. Or if I don't have kids at all, like I don't give a shit about, Mm -hmm. you know, what's happening with education dollars. But then you've got people who, like you said, just want to be able to live uh, with some some sort of normalcy. And why can't the policies by whoever is in charge just be within some sort of reasonable you know, range. And I think as, as the guys have gotten older, you you see some of the songs get a little bit more, um, rounded out, you know, uh, you know, the avocado had, had anti-war stuff, but it's, you know, it's, you know, war is fucked and we shouldn't be fighting it. Well, yeah, but you got a little bit more narrow on the, on a right act with that. And now you open it up even further, you go to gigaton and it's like, well, we can't solve those, those focused political issues. Let's just save the goddamn world. Because <laughs> climate change is mm-hmm. happening. They've just opened up the umbrella as they've gotten older and their priorities have changed. And so when I think about this record now, I think there's a lot of the same problems, but if, you know, 58, 59, 60 year old Pearl Jam was writing the record in 2001, 2002, I don't know that they're going to write songs like Bush Leaguer or uh, any of the political-minded songs on the record. No, and I think this ties in with the legacy of this record. Mm. I think it's sonically very elastic. I mean, they really stretch in ways that we we had not seen them stretch before. And I think for that reason, when you couple that with the very complex, very challenging uh, emotions and ideas that they were all working through and that they wanted to express... It makes for a record that's not always the most accessible to the uh, the average listener, but I think because of that, it's a pivotal record. You you could you could argue that it's a seminal record in the catalog, in that it becomes a um kind of like a plot point that completely alters their trajectory as a band. And it's not because they got a new drummer, like we've talked about quite a bit recently, or or because they worked with a new producer necessarily. I think it was because they had come out of this uh, bleak cave where they were trying to um, process things like Roskilde and 9-11, um, the, the, the 2000 election and so on and so on. And so you get to uh, a point where you, you start to to realize that this this record, the more and more you listen to it, the more and more you start to see uh, glimpses, I think, of not just what, later Pearl Jam records and the live experience will be like, but also who each band member is slowly becoming. Hmm. Um, you know, Ed said that one of the, uh, 
the major themes of this record. And we can talk about politics. We can talk about existentialism. Uh, I know I am mine kind of fits into that world, but I think that I am mine also kind of straddles into, into this theme, which uh, Ed said was a major theme of the record. And that is the idea the concept of love, obviously love boat captain uh, being under the spotlight there as well. And he said that it's quote, one resource that corporations cannot monopolize. I love that phrasing because it's true. And I feel like it's definitely been something that they have. It's been a through line for them throughout their career. But on this record, how do you view them using that theme? And do you think it was, do you think that they articulated that well on that record? Or do you think it kind of gets buried outside of, you know, Love Boat Captain? Do you think it kind of gets buried by like the, the negative stuff? I think that it depends on how deep you dig into it. And I think that that's part of um, like, uh, like Paul said that, the the accessibility of this record is sort of not necessarily suspect, but I think that it it, it <laughs> that, that that it that it provides I think a um, uh, a cover for it, like a, a, a candy shell. Some might say that you can uh, then suck down until you get to the the peanut and chocolate inside. Let's say. If you want to take the time to do that, or you can just chomp on it and uh, who knows what you get. Maybe there's one of those brownie ones. I like the brownie ones, but I, I, I think that love, I mean, that's going to be, if you, if you look just on the surface, you're going to see anger and you're going to see frustration. And then you have to dig down and say, okay, well then if that is the if that's this half of the equation what is the other half and you have to dig down and you have to work through the numbers in order to to see that it's like okay there's love like i said there uh you are i think matt Mm -hmm. loves writing love songs for pearl jam and um i think as, as as they've gotten through sort of like he i think he's been like the the sort of go-to for those ed will still uh contribute a couple here and there but it's sort of they're they're getting more into poetry and into just expressing ideas and wordplay and stuff um i mean i think arc could be love as well and there's no lyrics to it it is just an expression of of pain it's grieving and you grieve because what you love isn't there anymore and there are fans that love them who aren't here anymore and it's they not necessarily gave their lives for this band but their lives were taken in the celebration and of this band and it's something that you know you you have to figure out you have to think about you have to let it roll around in your head a little bit to come to that to come to a conclusion whereas if you're just taking a surface level 
you're you're going to get one thing but if you really want to think about it if you want to have it change your life i guess to be melodramatic <laughs> then you have to analyze it and you have to dig down and be a big dork about it and have a podcast where you well, talk about with we other are big dorks about it um who want to break it all down and figure it out and then oh I've sifted through all this dirt and the gold that I got is love. Paul, do you think that the, the gold is um, buried very deep on this record when it comes to love, or do you think it was communicated properly? Or do you think, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's choppy. I think that it, it's, it's, it's comprehensive in the sense that there are many ways to, to experience love. And, uh, and I think that there's a spectrum of it that's expressed on the record. And, you know, Brennan mentioned grief. I mean, the, when you experience grief, it, it, part of it is, is the loss of love. Uh, so I, I think that in many ways, there, there's a full spectrum of love that gets explored. Like I said before, I mean, uh, for me, the legacy of this record is just not, not just that sonic elasticity that, and the fact that it's a precursor for what I think we will eventually see from Pearl Jam, both live and in the studio. But I also think that it was an opportunity to workshop um, and, and express, outwardly express, a lot of emotions and very complex ideas that had manifested themselves over the prior two years. So it's notable when you start thinking about the songs that were left off this record, right? Yeah. I mean, down, Undone, Other Side. You know, Matt said that... Um, I think it was Mike. I think it was Mike said that uh, down was too light. You know, it was lighter than the other songs on the record. It's a brooding album. And, and I think that it, it's hard sometimes to, in addition to the fact that they don't really necessarily play around with any, uh, uh, you know, measures or, or, or any sorts of, of uh, compositions that lend themselves more towards your, your traditional pop vibe. I think that the fact that it's so brooding makes it even further inaccessible for, for the casual listener. Um, there, there's a, a very deep sense in a song like other side that I, to me personally, I think fits this record beautifully. Um, interesting that, that it was left off. Um, undone, I think kind of falls into that, that same category as, uh, as down, but, I don't know. I mean, in, in terms of legacy and, and I think in many ways, love is, is I think part of that legacy. You know what I mean? Is there, um, as we kind of close in on, on the legacy of the record, is there a moment on, on this record 20 years later that you're a bit, um, you know, just kind of like lightning around this, um, for both of you, is there mm -hmm. a, a moment on this record that you're, um, a little embarrassed by? Embarrassed, or, or yeah, like like you just like you wince when you hear it, or cringeworthy. Okay, is there a moment on the record that you were that you winced twenty years ago, and now you go, you know, I like that so much. For me, it's Bush Leaguer. I mean, <laughs> I, I I wasn't a fan of it then. I'm even less of a fan of it now, which is interesting because I think that you know Stone and 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 Mike. I mean, I think a lot of the guys really really like that song on the record. And I think there's a contingency of the Pearl Jam fan base that really appreciates and, and loves it too. Um, I just think that it's it's very much um, it, it's so anchored in its expression and its datedness 
And I, I, I mean, there's some, some cool things happening with Matt on that song, but, uh, it, it's a song that I'm, I have a hard time listening all the way through, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I've, I've developed a greater appreciation for songs like ghost and, uh, get right and, and even help help, believe it or not. Um, no, not that one, but, <laughs> Uh, but I, I continue to really, really struggle to find, uh, a reason to, to listen to Bush League all the way through. <laughs> it's well, listen, it, 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 it's so, so specific. Like I said, I was talking about being narrow before it's the, it's so narrow and focused that it, it doesn't make sense to play it, that he's no longer a, a person of that's, that's in the zeitgeist he's not applicable Well, that's okay i mean you can listen to what's going on by marvin gay in a lot of ways that's part of the zeitgeist of that time i i'm but not necessarily about one it's not about one person is it no it's not but i mean candle in the wind elton john you know what i mean i i still play that song if i find it enjoyable and that's very the much about Ohio. one person yeah i mean so it's to me it's not that it's because it's about a political figure that's no longer at the forefront of american politics that's why i can't listen i just as a song i don't find it to be i no, i agree interesting i yeah. i agree that you know as a song it's not you know on the ohio level but at the same time I don't want to listen to Ohio. It doesn't, it's so fucking removed from me now that it, even though the music is much better than Bush League, I still find it awkward to hear it now, uh, personally. Um, Brandon, is there anything that uh, from the record that bugged you then that still bugs you or that's, that's aged well that you, that you were surprised by? Um, I think the record as a whole aged well. I, I just having the experience of the Trump presidency, I think that that sort of exemplifies why a song like Bush Leaguer had to exist because you have to call things out when you see them and you have to name them and you have to say, this person is an idiot. You have to you have to tell the emperor that he has no clothes. Mm. Otherwise, you know, if 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 you're hiding it in metaphor that can be glossed over, and if you don't dig down, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. Then it's sort of well, what's what's the point then? And it may be sweaty and it may be awkward, but I mean, we all have those periods in our life and we just hope that they didn't make it in the yearbook where will this record ultimately land in pearl jam's legacy because i think a lot of people have this kind of down by the bottom there down in the cellar and i don't know that that that's wrong but most of the catalog is quite good so that the bar is kind of high already I, th- I think you have to you have to listen to this record for what it is. You know, I, I described it as an art rock record, and I think a lot of people go into something like if I describe that to the casual fan, they go in expecting something operatic or something that's uh, some some type of a concept album. When, when in fact, this is just a, you know it it flexes. You know what I mean? It rips, and I think that uh, it's complex. It's an art rock record in the sense that it it's there's a lot of alternate tunings on it. Um, 
there's a lot of experimentation on it. I, I mentioned the sonic elasticity. There, there's also a lot of very complex ideas and emotions that I think they were just fully starting to believe they were you know, kind of starting to understand. And when you couple all that together, it really is an interesting time capsule of an album that reflects... <laughs> you, you could make the argument that this record itself is the perfect uh, encapsulation of what it meant to be in your 30s during that period of time. The, 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 the complex emotions that we experience in our 30s, that the need to grow up, they need to take more accountability and responsibility to take ownership and, and governor uh, to, to govern your emotions and, and have a greater understanding. I mean, Mike described the recording process as uh, very relaxed. You know what I mean? Or no, I'm sorry, Matt did. And uh, that's an interesting departure from the things we've talked about in the past where Eddie would specifically sleep in close confines and take drives in order to make himself uncomfortable so he could lend an element of authenticity to it. That wasn't necessary here because that conflict was internal. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I just think that uh, they kind of came in and they were, they were, it, it was a spiritual experience for them in a lot of ways. It, it was clear. I mean, Mike described it as very intense and very positive. And that wasn't something we were used to from a Pearl Jam recording experience as, as far as what we had read about at the time. You know, wait a minute, they, it was positive and it was intense and it was spiritual and you guys were relaxed while you did it. It's like, what? Um, and this is what it produced. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm inclined to say that when you look back at this record, I mean, it's, if you look at it in the context of what it reflects, I don't know how you don't appreciate it more and I, I think at the time when it came out, a lot of us were, we were searching for something. We, we were searching for a detour from where binaural had taken us, perhaps, or um, we wanted something that, that marked a return back to the, uh, the kind of music maybe they had been making circa yield or even earlier than that. And again, this was a precursor for where Pearl Jam was headed. And, and I, it, it isn't a fully fleshed out version of who they would become. It's, but it very much is the, the first couple of steps on that path. And I, I, I just find a great level of appreciation for the record. And I encourage people to, the listeners, to, to pop it on and just listen to it all the way through with the context of everything we discussed here. And I wonder if it will allow that record to breathe a bit more absent all the expectations maybe uh, sometimes i wonder if a lot of us have trouble letting go of those expectations i think that we sometimes bring those preconceived notions and those feelings of 2002 and 2003 and what we wanted riot act to be and it's hard to let go of those things and i think if you if you can separate yourself from that and as i said just see this record for what it is uh it, it's really much easier to appreciate i very much agree with that. I think, you know, especially for someone uh, around our collective age here on, on this show today who are 15 to 20 years younger than those guys, uh, to listen to that record when it came out with those younger ears and being like, whoa, I, I was expecting like a rock and roll record. Like maybe if Avocado came out then, I would have been like, great. Right. But we got this. And now that I'm a little past the age where that record came out and there's 20 years in between and I can say, oh, okay, it, it may not hit me like 10 does. It may not hit me like yield does or vitality or versus whatever, but 
it has its place and it's comfortable there and it's okay to be there. Um, and so I, you know, listen again, somebody who kind of came back to the live experience on that tour and seeing Eddie with the wine bottles night after night, after night, after night, this album is like the wine album (laughs) because you got to open it up. You got to let it out. You got to let the oxygenation happen. You got to, decant it and they decanted the fuck out of it in that first tour and it's just kind of grown and grown and grown and it's just gotten real easy to drink now in my old columbus years. decanter look at you you son of a bitch <laughs> you are cla- you know what we gotta stop we're gonna end it right there all right so that that's the that's the you know the short-ish retrospective on the 20th anniversary of right i'm curious what you guys think about right what you think about when it came out how do you feel about it now did this conversation change anything for you uh curious to know comment uh wherever the hell you see posts about this facebook twitter instagram all that good stuff and uh let's continue the conversation because we love to do that so but for right now we got to move on to our lyric of the week this week comes from of course the riot act sessions but it's not on the record it's one of those B-sides Paul mentioned. It's undone. guys so undone this is one of the middle sections here it's apropos for the day like i said before it is election day in america that's the very first line of this stanza i can't wait for election day um well 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 uh 20 years later like i said before how much has really changed has the pendulum swung back i think it has twice actually problem is that is it going to swing back the other way again? Yeah. No, right now, some of you are listening to this and you're waiting in line to vote. Maybe you just voted. Maybe you're sitting back at the couch or in your office and you got one eye on the TV on, you know, on the news or you got, you're scrolling through Twitter to see any kind of like polling, exit polling, all that crap. First of all, breathe, <laughs> breathe. Um, I think though, and this is a problem many Americans have, that no matter the choice, corporations will still rule the day. You know, when that Citizens United case turned out the way that it did in 2010, the mask kind of came off what we always assumed was happening in the background. And now corporate influence was legal in plain sight. And this song was written eight years prior to this. Wild to me. You know, I come back to the first line. Can't wait for election day. And, you know, can we though, can we wait? Cause I just get anxiety now. Uh, like, like will basic democracy survive or, or simply all living in quicksand being pulled into some sort of like nationalist bigoted chaos, like one step forward, two steps back. That's what it kind of feels like over the last few years. And I don't think I'd ever felt the world was more undone than under the last administration and certainly on January 6th, as Paul mentioned. And I just find it very hard to, to look past today as you're listening to this 
and be comfortable. And I, I, I'm anxious just talking about this. Um, this is, you know, I, I, don't, I know a lot of you don't have time to listen the day that these shows drop and, and that's fine. And y'all got kids and, and work life and it's just really busy sometimes. And some of you discover this show a little bit later. So, you know, all this might be very dated to you, but the general principles remain and, and, and we'll look back. I'm sorry. We'll look ahead to 2024 eventually. But at a certain point, my question is, will the pendulum swing so far one way that it gets stuck? That it's going to wrap itself around like the fulcrum of a of a swing. You know, like a child fucking around on the swings. I just kind of goes and they get stuck. And then what? And I just, I, I, I worry about that. And so these lyrics here, um, yeah, they make all the sense in the world for the time. And when I talk about 20 years later, I go, is that naive? Are these naive? I don't think so. I mean, I just, good. Thank you. I, succinctly. I'll say this. The largest population, unless I'm mistaken, of voters in this country are represented by generation Z talking about people ages 20 to 35 at this point, I guess. Um, it's there America, man. <laughs> and it's interesting of a band like Pearl Jam very much being the voice of Generation X at the time. And I think that, uh, you know, we we haven't necessarily faced the kinds of things that we're looking that that Generation Z is looking at right now. There is a, a world and uh, a paradigm of America where certain rights are not as inalienable and just understood as, as they were when we were their age. Uh, you know, and, and there are things that in my lifetime, I, I didn't really think would be repealed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I think we're, we're living in an era right now where um, we're, we're going to find out just how committed this young generation is to exercising their voice in a way that ultimately can have some sort of impact on the social constructs that govern their day-to-day living. Um, and Pearl Jam has, has, has always been advocates for their generation to do that. So I, I think it's, it, it's a, a prescient message. I think it's a song that's uh, appropriately chosen. So I tip my hat to you or tip my uh, cap to you for that one. And, uh, I think very much, you know, it's, it's important to, to continue to, um, promote civic responsibility because there's just too much at stake not to. There's the, the, the right thing to do. It sucks because it's always the hardest thing to do. And it's hard to vote and then see who you voted for lose, especially if you think that that person is the quote unquote good guy or whatever. And it, and then you got to think, Oh, well we have to overthrow the system then for, for something to, to really happen for change to really uh, build before it breaks or whatever the, but that's the, that's another song. That's not this one. Um, right. Or is it this one? I don't know. Um, Let me ask you this. Oh, yeah. yeah, Okay. 
So, so in the context of this, of, the, of these lines, in Paul, Paul mentions Generation Z, and, and I would say millennials, right? Because millennials kind of go up to 1983, I want to say, year born. Um, there's always been a problem with getting the youth vote. And right now, that's the biggest block. Is it is the silver lining to this that things are so extreme now that even the youth can't ignore it? And so the, even they can't wait for election day and they yeah, will swing the pendulum. That's what I was getting at. So I, okay. that's my hope. I'm hoping that we wake up and, and we realize that the things that truly impact their lives, they actually took stand on. That the, it wasn't this this level of apathy. And then it, it followed up by just whining and complaining and venting on, on social media. That They actually put that, that, that message into action. So again, I mean... I. <laughs> I try not to spend too much time on polls. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think, like I said, it, it's a great song for us to, to think about today. Brandon, you, do, you have the, do you have that hope then, listening to these lyrics now? Do you, do you have the hope that things are as dire as they are, but they will? there's a spotlight now on these kids? Well, you have to hope because if you don't have hope, then what do you have? And what's the reason for uh, continuing to go on? So, I mean, that's why... You know, if if you go and you vote and you hope that good comes from it, and if it doesn't, then, well, guess what? You have to take the next step. And so go and find something good that you can do in your community because that's the next thing that you can do. And so you have to hope that things get better and that things change because they they have to they're going to change whether or not you want them to it's just are you going to help make good change or are you going to sit by while bad change happens it's very well said it's evolution baby right uh and talking about doing good things in the community uh if you guys want to do good things and get some free shit from brandon you can always donate to your local food bank take a screenshot and send it to him and he'll give you free content free content uh brandon from better band thank you for coming on our show we, we we've been on yours i think twice and it's been a delight so we thank you for returning the favor oh no problem i i want to want to hear what's 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 the live cut of the of the, what's the live cut what's the live version oh the live version <laughs> don't try to kick me out too soon i want to hear it i actually forgot about the live version <laughs> 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 we'll do that right now though you, you reminded me of our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, live cut of the week. This week for Undone, been played a five times. That's it, Paul. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to Chicago, Vic Theater, October 2nd, 2007. Vault number two, baby. Ooh.
All right, so there is a purpose in the playing of this cut, a purpose from Matt and Jeff specifically. There's a driving element to it. Um, bit of an ad-libbed, uh, I think, outro there, which I really think is really cool. That suspends the tension and the climax a little bit more than what we're used to on the record and on other versions. So I really, really like that. Um, it's a lovely version. Again, only five. You could, you could listen to all of them back to back to back, and it'd be under an hour, be under half an hour. Um, so I, I like this cut. This is a good choice, and it's a great show. And there it is, guys. There it is, Brandon. That's your live cut of the week. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. I love that one. It's hard not to love uh, all all the versions of it. Spoken like but, a true but, politician. Yes. Yeah. Paul, 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 good work. Good work. <laughs> I try. There it is, guys. Um, thank you again to Brandon for coming. Uh, and thank you guys for listening wherever you are. If you're outside of this country, um, I would, on the one hand, apologize for all the political talk that's focused on this country, but also it's great to learn about things that are not your homes. Hey, by the way, speaking of politics, kudos to our friends in Brazil for knocking Bolsonaro out of office. I'm going to say that right now. We spoke to our our Black Circle friends just the other day, uh, and they are very excited. So maybe there's some evolution happening in that country. Um, But again, thank you for those listening in this country, outside of this country, uh, putting up with political talk. It can be a little exhausting sometimes, but you know what? The band's political. The music can, can be political. It all ties together. And um, and yeah, it, it's good to, to chat it out. So uh, thank you for anyone who's bought a t-shirt. All the Patreon members, we love you very much. And Travis, you're getting your vinyl very soon. Mm-hmm. Paul is, Paul's, Paul's putting it, putting the wrapper on it right now. He's, he's not even, he'll, he's putting on lipstick. He's going to kiss it for you. <laughs> Stamped from the North Pole. There it is. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And until we do, you've been listening to... State of Love and Trust. Oh,